So the first, where are we at? Okay, if you throw the slideshow on, Prezi on. The first thing in the series was getting, getting on your marks, right? So we're running a race between when we get saved and when we get to heaven. And on your marks, and tonight is get set. Okay. And on your marks meant go to your place of readiness. Go to the place of where you need to be, which is when trouble hits underneath the wing of God. And we talked briefly about how that's the place in Psalm 91 where God says we, we belong when trouble hits. He never says trouble's not going to hit, but he says when it happens that he will deliver us. And the hawk and the fire cannot go through the mother hen and attack the baby chick if it's under the wing. But if it's out in the open, open flatter. Okay, and the next one we're going to move on tonight to is Get Set. Now, if you look at the left photo, you can see that it's out of focus. And if you look at the right one, you can see that it's in focus. And the reason that I'm focusing on that is that we often get out of focus in our lives. I have a terrible tendency to get over busy. It's innate. I think I was born with it. (laughs) I have this inability to be wise with my time. And consequently, I can get totally out of focus. So I want to hear God's voice, but instead I get out of focus. And it seems to me since I preached last time about being like Mary and choosing the better thing, I've had more problems with this than I've ever had before. (laughs) We often get surrounded in white noise. Yeah? So the still small voice of God, which is very small, I find, we can't hear it because we're too busy and because there's all this noise of voices around us and TV and pressure and stuff, just stuff, kids, Mother's Day, mother-in-laws, sending the present away on time, work, the dog, everything surrounds us so that we aren't actually getting set So get set in the dictionary means to get onto our point of being prepared. So how do we get prepared to hear God's voice? And that's what I want to explore tonight. You know, we're not meant to live from Sunday to Sunday. If we live from Sunday to Sunday, by about Tuesday night, if you're anything like me, you run out. And the reason is we leak I think we're like buckets with holes in the bottom. And so for me, Sundays have a really amazing time in the worship, encounter the Holy Spirit, mountain movers for me. The last time I came and sat up on the front seat and I couldn't move back to my seat because I didn't think I could stand. It wasn't possible. By Tuesday night, I'd blown it. (laughs) In fact, I remember a few years ago, vividly having this awesome, awesome time with God first up in the morning, about five in the morning after I'd got healed. And I just thought, wow, this is amazing. I'm, oh, this today is just going to be the best day. I reckon I'm going to see people come to the Lord today. And some of my staff are going to be slain in the spirit. And, oh, it's going to be fantastic. And then I, as Nagy calls it, the eight-foot stumble. And I stubbed my little toe on our double door. And I said words that you wouldn't believe would come out of my mouth. <laughs> and already all it took was eight feet for me to screw it up. <laughs> Didn't take long. So I want to explore tonight, how do we 
mitigate against leaking? How do we, on a daily basis, begin to live the sort of life where we not only have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, but we move, eat, breathe, know with God? So you could turn to Psalm 73. he's talking about going into the sanctuary of God. Now, I don't know where you think the sanctuary is, but we often think it's church, as in the building. So we come to church to encounter God. It's not actually true. And if we believe that the church is where we're going to get filled with the Holy Spirit, then we're going to be pretty disappointed and our lives are probably not going to be highly effective. And here he talks about coming into the sanctuary and what it was like before he got there. And he says in verse, can't actually see it, no, about 28. <laughs> when, he, when I tried to figure it out, all I got was a splitting headache. Until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I saw the whole picture. And over to uh, further on, when I was beleaguered and bitter, totally consumed by envy, I was totally ignorant, a dumb ox in your very presence. I'm still in your presence, but you've taken my hand. You wisely and tenderly lead me, and then you bless me. So it's learning how we can encounter God in his sanctuary during the week. For me, it's couch time. So I get up early in the morning, I feed the dog. I put the kettle on and then I get his biscuits and give it to him. He does his business, he comes back inside, by then the kettle's boiled, I make the tea. We go and light the fire now and then we both sit down the thing and then I have my time with God. When I woke up this morning, I'd had such a busy, busy week that I was freaking out that I was preaching tonight. <laughs> I was like, I can't, I can't possibly do it, I've got too much in my head, I don't know what's from God and what isn't. And oh, But there's disciplines that we can put in place. And when we practice those disciplines, they bring us into that inner place with God. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. So we turn over to Psalm 100. And it's verse 4. So you're going to have to whip ahead in the PowerPoint, guys, because I don't want the video. So I'd like, I'd like the four pillars, please. Got a little technical hitch. <laughs> Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and a thank offering, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful and say so to him. Bless and affectionately praise his name. Now, I mentioned last time uh, about the four pillars, and I had a dream about the glory of God falling down which is sort of like a mercury-like substance that falls on us and prevents us being affected by demonic activity. These four pillars or four disciplines, when we put them into place, can absolutely bring us into a presence with God. 
So the first one I want to discuss is praise. So there's the four pillars. Thanksgiving, praise, declaration, and bless. On to the next one. Okay, let's do thankfulness. When I was sick, it was pretty rough. Some days, it hurt to breathe. But earlier on, when I first got diagnosed and I asked God, how was I going to survive it? The Lord said I had to be thankful for one thing every day. That totally changed my view from the glass half empty to the glass half full. It's a discipline that when we put it into place, it releases power into our life. Thankfulness means the expression of gratefulness and relief. Now, I can say it's easy now for me to be thankful because there's so many awesome things happening. But when the chips are down and trouble hits, it's a discipline. And we need to be disciplined to put it into place. And it might be like me sometimes when I was really, really sick. It was one minute to midnight and it was really something tiny and lame. But... It changed my heart. I'd had abuse in my life, sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse. A psychologist once said to me, every type of abuse that you could possibly have, I'd just about had it. That's an exaggeration, but you know, I'd, I had every reason, if you like, to not be thankful. But thankfulness takes away cynicism. I totally believe that. And as we're thankful, that gratitude And the Holy Spirit gives us that relief from cynicism and it just totally transforms us. Okay, the next pillar. Praise. A friend of mine sent me a text a few weeks ago and she was having a rough time with the kids. She was busy. Her job had um, suddenly expanded into lots of overtime. She felt as far away from God as she possibly could. Great strategy when that happens and you feel totally overwhelmed is to put on some really, really good praise and worship music and throw it on as loud as you possibly can and sing your guts out. (laughs) It's, It's living the opposite. It's like there's a tension in the Holy Spirit, which means in the physical, it sucks, right? And we have every reason to think, woe is me. But in the spiritual We act the opposite. And so it's a discipline to put into place. Now, when we do this stuff every single morning, it sets our day up to walk with God. Now, when we're really sorted, I reckon we do it twice a day, like Daniel, morning and night. Someone super spiritual in the Bible did it morning, noon and night. (laughs) That seems a little bit far out of my ken right now. But my goal is morning and night. I'm only managing morning. But I know that I know that I know that when we practice thankfulness and praise, regardless of how we feel in the human, it sets up something in the spiritual. Okay, next one. Declaration. Now, the Latin for declaration is to thoroughly make clear, pronounce or assert. Nothing namby-pamby about that, is there? When we declare God's promises, then I totally believe that Satan is bound and cannot operate. And I mean, like, for instance, you're feeling weak and tired. 
But God's word says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. His word says, when I am weak, then he is strong. And there's a power when we declare it with our mouth. So it's not just thinking in our heads, but speaking it out. Declaring God's will. Declaring his uh, purposes. Declaring his word. And just practice it and practice it and practice it. And it's a pillar that comes up and creates strength in our lives. The other part of declaration is declaring the spiritual armour. Now, when I was sick, I really uh, thought and prayed a lot about spiritual armour, you know, from Ephesians 6. It says, put it on the full armour of God. Take up the full armour of God. And I believe that the armour of God is part of declaration. And too many times, Christians don't take it up. And consequently, we get absolutely laid out by demonic forces. It might be an argument with the boss. It could be distraction. could be all sorts of things. But part of declaring is taking it up. So for me, I do it when I get in the car. Put on the helmet of salvation. Lord, I thank you that you've saved me. I claim your salvation today, even though I'm tired and I don't feel worthy. Take up the breastplate of righteousness. Lord, I thank you that in you I am righteous because Jesus died for me. Not because I'm righteous, because Lord, we both know I'm not. (laughs) Take up the belt of truth. Father, I want to speak your truth today. I claim your truth and love in my life today. Flip your feet, ready to speed the gospel of peace. And I actually slap my feet because I think I can so easily get too busy and do my own thing. And my own self, I'm ambitious and driven and over busy. But in God, he says he will fit our feet ready to speak the gospel of peace, which is the opposite. So that means that I could minister to somebody today. Take out the shield of faith. Doesn't mean lie on it. It means take it up. Hold it. Take up the sword of uh, the word, which is the sword of God. See what I mean? So it's a discipline. For me, I turn on the ignition, I put on my seatbelt, and I do it. You could say it's a formula. You sit there and you go, A, B, C, D, 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 da da. But everything we do has to be from the heart that wants to walk with God. But these are disciplines that set us up to be able to hear God's voice in the midst of our lives. They are tools and they are disciplines that I believe are missing in the Western modern church because we now want to be so flowing in the Holy Spirit that discipline's a bit of a dirty word. But I totally, totally believe that God has said to sustain the glory of God, we need to put these disciplines in place in our lives. Next slide, please. And the fourth one is bless. Some translations say praise again. Some say rejoice. But the Hebrew says bless. And blessing is a really interesting one because it literally means to kneel before, to empower, to prosper. And I've been thinking about that about why would we need to bless God? He's got everything. He's the father of the whole earth. He's got his will all sorted out. 
He already knows what's going to happen. So why on earth would we need to bless him? In fact, I think we more often in the New Zealand say bless you when someone sneezes than we do is putting it into a discipline in our lives. The last few weeks I've been asking God, well, why is bless the fourth pillar? If I had a parcel here, the destination of the parcel would be to, you to open it, but who should open it? The receiver. God has a destiny for each of our lives. I believe that sometimes our prayers are very closed and limited to our human perception of what we think God should do. I tell you a really great experiment, and I did this. In a Francine Rivers book, um, the one on Hosea, she talked about the main character had a hat box, and she posted her prayers in there for a year. And then after a year, she opened it to see which prayers God had answered. I thought that was an awesome idea. So I wrote out all my prayers um, over the year, put them in. And when I opened it, it was a bit of a shock, because <laughs> I realized how one-eyed my prayers were. I really thought I was as good as God, really. Because not only did I ask him for things, but I told him how he should do it. (laughs) To bless God, I'm thinking, is to literally kneel humbly before God and empower him to prosper in the earth. To empower in the situation. So we're not confined when we pray for somebody to say, oh Lord, I pray for that person because they really, really need to get healed and so I pray that they'd get healed tonight. Sometimes that's how we should pray. But it could be that, Father, I pray that you would be blessed in that person's life. Lord, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. That as we bless God, then his will is empowered on earth. And it's critical because his will both involves us and has nothing to do with us. That's another big tension. And by that I mean, often we hear this whole thing, and I've been really praying about it, about uh, less of me, less of me, less of me. And I've sort of been praying for a few years about this because it's true. It should be less of us. But it's also more of us. Because what I see is that the closer that we get to God, the more individual we are. The more colourful we are. The more he has a purpose for us on earth. The more purposeful our lives are. It's not just that he created us all grey. He didn't create us all sanguine. He didn't create us all choleric. He didn't create us all musicians. I sort of wish he did that bit. I'd really like to be a musician. But he created us all with a significant destiny and a significant purpose. And when we put the four pillars up in our lives, when we give him that first part of our day, not as a quiet time. I've decided that I'm not using those words anymore. I hate quiet times because I had this huge lot of expectations around quiet times. I can remember where there was sort of like a formula to do. (laughs) Got set prayers and you did it and then you were sort of guaranteed to be really holy. Doesn't really work. I'm testimony it doesn't work. In fact, I know people who got so freaked out about having quiet times 
So they ended up not praying at all. So your sanctuary with God, your inner place with God could be anywhere, any place, any time. But the challenge for us is that we give him our best. And that's the first fruits. Just as we give him the best of our finances, I believe we need to give him the best of our time. And some of us will find that harder than others. But if we're going to live a life where we are so tuned in to the Holy Spirit, so tuned in to hear his voice when he says, go speak to that person. If we're ever going to move in to like what Martin Steele spoke about, about us having a function out in the world, we have to hear his voice. And for the first time last week, for me, the first time this has happened, I had a really, really busy week last week. And for the first time, I decided I'd better get up extra early because I knew that the chances of me walking with God that day were very remote unless I spent a lot of time with him in the morning. And that is a big shift because in the past when I got really busy, the first thing that would go would be my time with God because I'm too busy. I have to get on. But there's a way of walking with God where his blessing is literally empowered. So the prayers change from being prescriptive to saying, God, what, what do you want me to write in this essay? Lord, what do you want me to say to that staff member? Father, I've got this situation at work. What do you want to happen? Father, you're the creator of everything. What is your strategy about this? And I believe that he's waiting like a dad, waiting for us to ask him. And I, I'm a PD facilitator in my work life. And I really needed a strategy for building professional learning communities. And so a friend challenged me to ask God about it. I'd never asked God about my work before. It sort of worked, you know, do my work, come to church. But this time I asked God and I asked him every day. And then one night he gave me a dream and I dreamed the model. And it works. <laughs> and of course it works because it's God's. And I bet you when we get into the thousand year reign and heaven, I bet you heaven runs as a professional learning community on that model. I bet you. <laughs> because it was his idea. And when I get asked about it, I say, God gave me this in a dream. And now I'm discovering that it fits into the three major areas of theorists. I had no idea. Isn't God amazing? But I would never have considered asking him until I started putting the four pillars in place. I want to talk to you just briefly about the power of blessing and the power that we hold in our mouths. When we are in the world, I believe our clothes get very dirty and torn and ripped as we're hurt by people around us. We might have suffered abuse in our lives. We literally hold the power of life and death in our mouths. And it's a curse. Curse is like a death, and words of blessing are life. And I believe that God wants, through blessing, to change our clothes. Have the next um, slide. 
Now Lazarus, he definitely wore clothes of death. But Jesus tarried deliberately so that he could come and raise Lazarus from the dead. So he sort of made sure that he was doing other things for three days. Four days, it says, four days. Now, if I looked into what a Jewish man would wear as a shroud, and they wear uh, sort of shroud things, which this picture sort of doesn't show, but they're bound up from head to toe. And the really interesting thing in John, it says, Jesus says, come forth, Lazarus, and Lazarus comes out, and then Jesus says to the villagers, take off his grave clothes and untie him. And I really believe, for my own self, for many years, even though I was a Christian, because of abuse, because of disappointment, because of cynicism, I still wore my grave clothes. And there's some of you, when I've been praying for tonight, you still wear your grave clothes. And you haven't had your grave clothes unwrapped yet. And the rock I'm seeing as an analogy is like uh, the village. This is a safe village for us to have our grave clothes taken off. And for me, when I meditate and pray, and I go to my couch time, and then I put the four pillars up, sometimes when I go in to spend time with God, my clothes are pretty ripped and torn and battered. And he gives me a new robe. And when I've been praying for people the last few years, I've started to see them in robes of different colours. Prophets are red. Musicians are either silver or gold, shot with different colours. And to see there's a forest green, I thought this was really weird. <laughs> Until I read Psalm 45. And it says, there she is in her royal chamber. And some versions say she has robes embroidered with gold. Other versions say robes of many colours. Can you put on the next slide, please? Some of us have clothes like these children. I look at these kids and I think they're sort of like orphans. And that's because curses have been spoken over us. And we literally need God's blessing to come into our lives, be anointed with the Holy Spirit. And blessing is lost pretty much in our culture now. We don't really have blessing ceremonies as Kiwis. We don't have fathers who, when they're dying, bless their firstborn. But Jacob fought for his blessing. He stole it first time round. Second time round, he actually wrestled with God all night in order to get it. There's a spiritual significance around blessing that I really believe we need to start grasping. And we need to speak words of blessing into not only God's life, but we need to speak words of blessing into our own lives. And the last slide, please. I think the life of Joseph is a real parallel because he has his technicolor dream coat. And I love the colors in this, just how vibrant it is. And then he falls into the pit and he's betrayed and he goes to prison. And then around Genesis 33... I'd read it, but I can't read it. <laughs> it says that when the Pharaoh finally, finally remembered him, when the baker said, oh, there's this guy that could interpret your dream, 
the first thing that happened is that Joseph was washed and clothed in new robes. And I believe that the band could come up, please. I believe that God wants us to be robed in fresh robes of blessing, in robes that are fresh, so that we are able to walk the walk, to walk with God. Sometimes we have all sorts of things that get in the way of us walking with God. But if we'd begin to grasp the fact that every single one of you has a critical mission here on earth, we're both everything and nothing in God. But by putting up the four pillars, by having the discipline of coming into his presence every single morning, by learning to hear his voice, then I believe that we can move into the destiny that God has for us. And we're going to sing um, the last song, and I'd like to invite you to come up to be blessed, that the leaders would come forward and actually pray a blessing. And for some, you might never have been blessed before. But I'm believing in the Spirit for clothes of poverty and clothes of death and clothes of cursing, clothes of abuse, clothes of demonic activity to fall away and that God literally wants to clothe us in his robes of righteousness and the picture that I've had this morning when I was praying for tonight was literally of being in this inner room with God dressed as a bride and the father is holding his daughter and doing a very slow waltz Incredible. Because it means that God loves us so incredibly much that we're everything to Him. And I also believe there's people here who don't know what their mission is. You don't know what your gifting is. You don't know how significant you are. I believe God wants to give each and every one of you a fresh revelation of your purpose so that we literally be the generation that brings people to Jesus. That we're literally the generation that brings massive change. New Zealand's so small, the whole country could worship God here. All of us. And I think that we could be overwhelmed with what God wants to do if we would begin to take on the richness and the blessing that he has for us. So it's thanksgiving, praise, declaration, and blessing God. So I invite you during this song, two things. One, to come forward and to be blessed, a literal blessing. And secondly, if you do not know God, and by that I mean know Him, not a religious experience, but literally know him as a daughter with a father, then I pray in Jesus' name that you would be able to come forward.